You're listening to Top Traders Unplugged, episode number 014, where I continue my conversation with Jerry Parker, founder and president of Chesapeake Capital. This episode is sponsored by Saxo Bank and Swiss Financial Services. Welcome back to Top Traders Unplugged, where the best traders in the world come to share their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Let's rejoin the conversation with your host, veteran hedge fund manager, Niels Kostrup Larsen. That's a really good point because actually, without naming names, we've actually seen an example of that, of a multi-billion dollar CTA being named you know, the best in the world and, and the subsequent 12 months was actually not, not so great. So it, 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 it really does occur. So I think that that's a very important point. And in terms of investors in general, I mean, most people nowadays and certainly, uh, you know, in 2014, they don't really appreciate or like the sort of systematic trend following strategies. What is it in your view that they don't understand, that they don't get and or can't get their head around about what, what you know, these strategies do? I think the biggest complaint that people have now is not enough stocks. And I think that CTAs made a mistake by not having a stock-only fund or having their diversified portfolio have a 25 or 30% equity component to it. But... And I guess there is some, uh, also, I think there, I have come across people who don't like systematic trading. Um, but I do think that another thing too, is that, um, people desire complexity from their managers and certainly from our point of view, being sort of a trend following plus nothing, uh, shop, you know, trend following by itself and, trying to emphasize to people that we don't want to make it overly optimized and uh, sometimes research can um, make the systems weaker, then I think that they do not like that idea. It's, you know, um, the gadgets in our pockets are always getting better, more complex. They can do more things. And that's how what my managers to be too. They're always needing to do lots of research like what they don't really understand is that adding too many uh, ways to prevent drawdowns also um, has neg- negative implications on making money. But it's, you have to ask other people. I really don't want to sound paranoid, uh, but I think uh, right now, stocks are way. That's the reason that CTAs are kind of, uh, they're underperforming the stock market and index. And so it's just amazing that uh, no one really understands that the value of a hedge fund or a CTA is the trailing stock. You know, I have an exit once we sell off here or once the, the markets look weak, we're going to have a plan in place to preserve capital. And that's not needed right now, so why should I even bother? It's kind of silly. Sure, sure. sure. Now, of course, the other thing is, um, I mean, with investors, that they certainly tend to um, go on about certain themes. And and I guess, you know, the concept of 
of risk parity has been brought up by some famous hedge fund managers uh, who have had a lot of success. And I think actually Ray Dalio at Bridgewater is one of the people who brought it up and people seem to love that. But but isn't risk parity just a, another fancy name for what trend following is all about and what you've been doing in you know all these years when it comes to position sizing? And also, you know, position sizing is probably what people underestimate the value of when they look at you know a, a systematic manager and maybe they focus too much on the entries and the exits so to speak true 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 i think that people don't even uh, fully appreciate how wonderful the cta um money management and um position sizing how important that is that's the other piece of the puzzle it's just amazing how wonderful that is and it fits in with every type of portfolio, whether it be stocks or stocks and bonds or a more fully diversified portfolio like we trade with longs and shorts, I'm sure that our way, your way of trade sizing is far superior to um, what the typical manager does in a stock world. And um, the problem with, in particular, uh, people advocating recently or last year, the idea of, oh, what did you call it? Um, risk parity. Yeah, risk parity is that they, you know, advocated it at the top of the bond market. <laughs> so you need risk parity when you first put the trade on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they don't tell me to go risk parity after you've been in a bull market for two or three years, um, and I'm underweighted in the thing that's moved a lot. So that's... Sure. Once again, if there were CTAs out there with um, stock-only funds, we'd be killing it. If CTAs out there uh, that started a stock and bond fund 10 years ago, we would be killing it. And all of these objections to trend following or managed futures um, would, would uh, be, have gone away because we'd be making money. And sure. uh, So it's just a shame that... None of us can, uh, have a product or have, don't have a long track record um, utilizing our techniques, our markets, and our systems, um, and our money management principles, utilizing the markets that people care most about now, which is you know, stocks and bonds. Sure, sure. Now, Jerry, during the more than 25 years you've been running Chesapeake, you've been in hundreds of meetings and due diligence meetings with investors. I wonder whether there's things that you find that investors should be asking you, but they never do. Well, that's a good question. Um, I usually hear um, some good questions on strategy and how we trade. Um, I would say that um, some of the most important things that uh, everyone should ask of their advisors is um, the manager should be able to explain uh, exactly how the systems work and uh, the theory behind the systems. And so the client uh, has um, no problem sort of knowing what to expect and uh, how the, what the trading is going to look like. Um, so more, more specifically, I would say the most important question to ask any systematic trader is going to be along the lines of, um, what is your sample size of trades? How do you count your sample size? This was uh, the first thing I learned in 1983 about system 
development and construction is count the trades. You have a 20 to 30 year back test. Um, the systematic approach that I was taught lends itself to an entry and an exit and a stop loss. And so you total up all those trades and you have thousands of trades to look at across all the different markets and many different environments. And then you can kind of go forward with that system, that systematic approach. Um, you know, the problem with doing research and improving your systems and trend following plus PhDs is that any sort of additional variables and niceties that you add to your systems to try to prevent losses or prevent drawdowns and only take the best trades uh, has a tendency to um, lessen the sample size and weaken the systems. So part of the trend, that's the dilemma of trend following is you really don't want to eliminate the drawdowns. You don't really want to impact them too much. You really don't want to have a winning percentage higher than the low 40s um, because this is going to make the systems less robust. But I seldom get those type of questions um, and I don't believe it's beyond um, the capability of those in charge of asking those questions. Sure, sure. No, I mean, I, I, very, very uh, good points. And, um, you know, obviously it is about trying to help investors get more comfortable with trend following because it is something I find that they struggle with. And um, I've heard you say, uh, which I think is a very... Um, interesting point of view because we know how much people or generally investors like you know mutual funds and and stocks and bonds in general and 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 i heard you say at some point uh, uh in a different interview where you said if you think about it almost doing nothing going with the trend taking small losses and trading long term is not that far from indexing which the world seemed to love yet trend following traders are often looked upon with great skepticism and you know that that really is i think that hits it on the nail um that we're not that different yet you, people see it as being very different and much more risky yeah i mean i blame that on uh, the ctas um we have a wonderful product and lots of diversification or we could apply our trend following to the stock markets and the bond markets which would maybe make people feel more comfortable uh, but uh basically our Algorithms are a little bit more complex than doing nothing, which is pretty much what the indexing is, do nothing. <clears throat> so I think that the industry in general has shot themselves in the foot by using too much leverage, the fees being too high, the expenses being too high, not having a meaningful equity component in the trading. Uh, I think that the marketing idea of, of not of showing investors what if you add managed futures to your traditional investments and how it improves the risk and doesn't harm the returns that's a failed marketing strategy um, these strategies need to stand alone and be uh, worth investing in alone and yes of course they will be fit in nice with a traditional portfolio or any portfolio but uh, you can't just continue to sell these uh, managed futures or trend following diversified products in diversified markets um, without taking into consideration the underperformance and uh, possibilities. And when you underperform for a certain number of years or a certain amount, you're just increasing the odds that clients are not going to be able to stay invested. 
Sure. And and speaking of underperformance, I wanted to ask you, um, how do you handle emotions during drawdowns? I know you've obviously learned that. Um, and so maybe you could share some of the advice and what helped you really maybe look at drawdowns in a completely different way than most investors look at it, which where they, you know, when they see it or when they're in it, they probably feel at the time that this is just going to continue and it's never going to change. How, how do you go through these experiences? Well, I don't think that's really very easy. Um, one thing I did about 10 years ago is I stopped watching the market prices on a daily basis. Um, I think you just also have to make a commitment to the process and doing the right thing on every trade and following your systematic approach. It doesn't mean you can't tinker with it and improve it slightly, but uh, that's really, you know, we, we get paid for creating uh, the good systems and the approaches, but then the other 50% is at least 50% is actually doing those things. And you sort of have to uh, look at yourself as sort of a martyr, being willing to uh, suffer pain and um, do what most people find hard to do, which is to stick to a game plan, even when it's not going well. Um, sure. So that is just something that, uh, and then I think having everything computerized and, and computer generated, all the trades, and then having one group uh, devise the systems and create the trades each day, and another group actually be in charge of carrying out those trades, the sort of division of duties, is a great internal control process to make to ensure a, a more disciplined approach. Definitely uh, process oriented. You know, when I first started trading, Richard Dennis said, um, "You need to do the right thing, follow the systems, and that's how you'll be graded. If you lose money doing what you should do, then we won't complain. But if you actually make money and you break our rules, then uh, that will not be good for you." Sure. Sure. And, and speaking of, of Richard Dennis, uh, once again, bringing him into the conversation, how would you say you do trend following today? I mean, have you evolved? Um, you know, I, I think I know the answer to the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And that is if whether you've evolved away from what Richard Dennis taught you through, you know, your own research, or in fact, whether you have maybe been a little bit away from it during the last 25 years, but maybe you've come back closer to the original way of, of, of what you were taught. Well, I definitely feel that we're um, very close to the way we were taught because we were not taught necessarily specifics or told that certain parameters were work, would work forever. So we concentrated on the philosophical approach. And I think one minor thing we did is we were just able to um, systematize and, and create algorithms for all of the different concepts we were taught about what works in markets and how you should approach the markets. But um, I really am open to changing, but I haven't really found anything too, um, too much better than what we learned as far as uh, the general approach and the, you know, the importance of diversification and trend following and um, the big concepts. But I would say that the, it's, it's pretty identical to what we used to do, except um, we're just longer term, uh, shorter term trend following that we practiced 
our analysis sort of uh, really stopped working in the late 90s. So now we can still make money trend following. We'll just have to trade longer term and be more, be more tolerant of drawdowns and, you know, have a exits, exits that are further away. Not, so maybe in the 90s we were exiting at the 50-day moving average. If it went below the 50-day moving average, we would get out. Now I think you have to look at the 150-day moving average, the 200-day moving average, and just in general, a longer-term approach that uh, keeps you in the markets even though they are choppy and not as smooth trending as they used to be. So it's trend following works, but maybe in some ways it's a worse investment than it was in the 80s and 90s, which is no big deal. It's still better than almost anything else. Sure. I'm a little bit curious about the, the long term because clearly the results that we've seen in, 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 in the last uh, year or two certainly confirms what you've said you know the longer term managers have done well done really well and, and certainly your performance last year demonstrates that why do you think that markets have changed so that you have to become longer term what what is it in the markets that you see has has changed and and kind of led you to uh, to become longer term well i think uh two Two, uh, two different answers. One is that just looking at the charts, you can have a very long-term move, multi-year moves in gold and silver, uh, let's say, but it's going to be more choppy. It's, you're going to hit the 50-day low more often than you used to, or the 75-day low more often than you used to, only to see the markets go back to new highs and keep going. So now the downside is... Um, when the market does hit a peak, in hindsight, you'll see that was the peak, then you won't be able to get out, you won't be able to preserve as much uh, of that max profit as you may have in the past, but at least you will have stayed in the trend for the most part um, for that two or three year period. And of course, it's mandatory to have multiple exits, not just one exit. So in case you do get bounced out, you didn't get bounced out of your whole position or in case things do crash, uh, you don't have your whole position, you know, at the still on when it gets goes through the 300-day moving average or something. So you need to sort of uh, use some smarts and have multiple entries, multiple exits, but they all sort of need to be what I would consider to be longer term in nature. And the reason I think this you know, this choppiness happens is there's just too many people trend following. There's more computers. Everyone can kind of see the data. I think it's a big opening for Chesapeake or longer-term managers that the only reason that um, people, traders, maybe try to come up with different ideas and more um, strategies that weaken the sample size and they try to do different things to preserve those profits, it just um, it helps us probably to not do those things and we stay in those trades and our systems are tend to be a little bit more robust and more reliable. Um, but just the, the amount of trend followers, the amount of computers, um, your trend following in the markets are not going to be easy. They're going to get progressively harder. And having the wherewithal and the stomach to sit through drawdowns um, bigger than the ones we had in the, maybe the 80s and the 90s is going to yield profits for those who are willing and able to do that and not uh, listen to clients who want you to uh, cut your profit short or reduce your volatility versus uh, hanging in there with the, with the hard trade when it gets really scary and um, 
making a lot of money. Sure. And, and, and becoming longer term and with the increased risks that you just mentioned, does that put more emphasis on market diversification? Because I know you talk about the, or, or in the past have mentioned that the, the markets really are the heroes in, 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 in what, what trend following is all about. So does that requires you to become even more diversified to compensate maybe for the additional risk of going longer term? I think being more diversified is something that you should do regardless. It's just going to, even if the market's reverted to being very uh, much better for trend followers than they have been, you'd still want to be as diversified as possible. There's no downside to being diversified. All the trades that a trend follower or systematic manager puts on are created equal if when they meet the entry criteria. Uh, by the fact that you're um, trading all the markets the same way and uh, with the same systems and the same approach on the longs and the shorts, this is the only thing that allows you to uh, accumulate the necessary sample size that I talked about earlier. So by definition, all the trades are, are the same. They're all equal. They all have the same expectations. So there's no reason to fear diversification. And certainly we trade 200 markets now, 100 single stock futures and a hundred um, other markets, currencies, commodities, indices, um, and interest rates. And so um, hopefully in the future it'll be uh, 300 markets or 400 markets. So, um, but I guess to some degree, the diversification can help in that regard. But a lot of the times the markets are very highly correlated across all these sectors and you look at you have one big trade on and everything is crashing or going against you um, on the same day or same month or the you know, same quarter. So it's sort of hard to hide from the drawdowns, but they would be a lot worse if you didn't have the diversification. If you only traded stocks, you can just see in the data that those drawdowns would be much greater than um, the target rate of return can be the exact same in a stock portfolio or a diversified portfolio. The only difference is going to be the drawdowns and volatility is going to be a lot higher. And then you sure. brought up another sure. um, interesting point, and that is from a traditional trend following point of view, from my point of view, obviously, um, I don't look at this volatility and this drawdown on profitable trades as anything other than volatility, and I don't like it because I don't like giving back profit, of course, but I have to give back some profit to actually make a lot of profit. But I look at the risk as something different. The risk is what I'm willing to risk on a certain trade. So let's say I have a, for every trade I do, I'll risk 50 basis points of my uh, capital. And I'll be very concerned with that. I want to um, have great systems. They have a reasonable win percentage. They have a tendency not to string a lot of losses together. And I'm going to be very concerned and conservative about losing 50 basis points of my client's capital on these trades that I'm doing. But if I have a big open trade profit, like the gold or the silver of the past few years, then um, sure. I'll be much more liberal with that profit and let the, and I'm, my systems are going to not get me out of there. And make a big distinction between losing capital and losing back open profit. So that's the problem with trying to tighten up your stops, coming up with different ways to uh, preserve profits apart from uh, the system exit, which is going to be 
200 day or 300 day moving average um, sure. is you cut your profit short and you um, don't make as much money. And so, but trying to convince clients that they should allow for this volatility uh, during good periods is almost impossible. So, um, sure. it's, it's very, that's very frustrating. It's only when we are relatively better than others that people would tend to, um, tend to be okay with that. Well, and I'm sure if we were trading equities and there was a big sell-off, um, with it, you know, we had a typical, uh, drawdown with our systems. If the markets kept going lower and the buy and hold and the indexers lost even more money, I'm sure they would be fine with that too, because we weren't losing as much. <laughs> the CTA sure. diversified trend following is held to a higher standard because of all the goofy markets we trade and the sort of a systematic approach we use that's sort of not uh, that well known about or accepted. Sure. No, I mean, I think also part of the problem is, of course, that when you hear people talk about equities, they always refer to the performance year to date. They never talk about performance month by month while with CTAs and other alternative investment strategies you always measured on your last month's performance and that in itself creates volatility in the returns um, because they look worse than they are um, so uh, it's definitely a problem um, if I was going to ask you what is maybe not the most important but what are some of the most important things that you have learned during your long and successful career what what stands out to you when you think back uh, over over all this time well i think i'm more committed to our approach i'm more convinced every day that what we do works and it's the best and safest way to manage money um definitely i have learned through bad experiences that you should maintain 100% consistency and discipline in, in your systems. Um, and that is more important than about anything and more important than creating better systems. Even if you have a substandard system, um, you should you'll be better off just following it and not trying to guess. I'm shocked that people don't, don't believe in price and following price and that they can't predict markets and I'm even shocked at CTAs that will venture off into other types of trading that seem to be uh, contradict their trend-following worldview. And, and I think that from a business point of view, the uh, managed futures industry with, that I grew up in with high leverage, high fees, high commissions, um, managed accounts, that was all very unfortunate and it's just amazing that the all of the great CTAs out there with really good systems um, have such little money under management and it's pretty much our fault of trying to only trade a diversified portfolio and not trading equities and then not um, offering clients a better products in, in um, better cost structures. I mean, I'm sure I'll think of some other things as we keep talking, maybe, but... Sure. Um, 
No, that's fine. But you actually mentioned something that I, I wanted to ask you uh, uh, about. And that is, um, if we, again, stay a few more minutes with the, the turtle story specifically. And, you know, today there are still a handful of original turtles who run investment management businesses. But in fairness, they're not the largest firms in the industry, despite having probably the longest and for the most part, the best track records. And I don't know what whether you sort of uh, were alluded to that a little bit before in, in in your response, but why do you think that is? What is in what are investors seeking that they're not getting? Uh, do you think from from the classical trend following approach? Well, I think that uh, some of the larger CTAs have a probably a pretty good classical trend following approach. That um, maybe the difference between their approach and the more classical approach is not that material. Um, and I kind of agree. I've often wondered why the turtles um, businesses are underperformed uh, others. But I think what happened was the other firms with as good or track, uh, as good as pro- approaches as ours just did a better job at uh, probably realizing that, um, you know, bigger, larger organizations were, was going to, were going to be what was needed in order to continue to manage money. And that maybe there's just a, a irreversible, tr- um, uh, move now towards larger asset managers, uh, that makes institutions more comfortable. And, sure. um, so the smaller CTAs are going to have a much harder time and it's, you know, not so much about the systems being a little bit better or worse. It's more about institutional quality and lots of staff and making people, making the CTA trend following and CTA approach look more institutional um, versus the smaller organizations that we sort of grew up in and started and didn't evolve into something any bigger. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely uh, definitely the case. And the other thing that I've noticed, which I think is a quite an interesting point of view, and that is, of course, that you know uh, the CTA industry specifically was a very U.S. dominated industry for many many years, and certainly also uh, when I started. Um, but then suddenly, um, maybe for the last ten years or so, it's really been the European managers that has just grown, you know, enormously. Um, and uh, and we've seen this shift from from U.S. based managers towards uh, the European sort of powerhouses. So yeah, it's, there's been certainly a couple of interesting uh, changes uh, going on. I wanted to ask you just one uh, one or two final questions on this before we move to the last section, and that is um, when you do trend following and when you do back testing and you look at all these things. Um, typically, what what we find is that 80, 85, maybe even more than 90% of all the profits in the long term are made from the long side trades and not the short side trades. Now, there's probably some explanations in certain markets, but have you ever spent time thinking about why there is this sort of skewed distribution towards long side trades versus short side trades? Because I don't think a lot of people really realize how how different it is um, between the two. That's definitely the data. Everybody sees it. Um, I mean, you know, maybe a simple 
you know, the, the long trades can go a lot further than the short trades. And when the CTAs as a, uh, in general are sizing their trades based upon the recent volatility, then a lot of times you can kind of just know that if the market goes to zero, I'm not going to have an outlier trade. You know, or, you know, and so it just has a tendency not to go to zero and then <laughs> the longs can um, start with a very low volatility. You can throw in a big, huge position and then as it rallies over the next year or two, the volatility can get a lot larger and these profits can get really outsized. Um, but I wouldn't hold, I wouldn't, this I think is a good trend follower. You don't want to rely too much on the past as it relates to what to expect for the future. All we're trying to do is use the past in the most conservative way possible, which is here's a good place to buy. Here's a pretty good place to sell. Um, other than that, I really have no opinion. Things can look vastly different. The shorts can all of a sudden become incredibly great. 2008 was pretty good. And then um, I need to do the shorts because they increase my sample size. They're not a losing trade necessarily, so I'll, and they help my um, diversification. The longs are sort of correlated. The shorts are correlated. So most of the time we have on equal amounts, and so it just makes the portfolio more stable and less volatile. But I've listened to some very smart people say the shorts have underperformed, but uh, don't count the shorts out because that may not be the case for the future. And that is really the essence of what we do. No one can predict and no one in, in the trend following rules will put us in a good situation usually if something happens that's never happened before. Updating the yeah. systems because the markets have changed quote unquote, there's two different ways to interpret that, interpret that. Absolutely. I'm banking on the markets changing because all I'm doing is buying a, a high price and then selling a lower price. And that's the only thing I'm looking at. So no matter what happens with the fed or the world or the wars or the weather, uh, the fundamentals are always changing. and can't be predicted. I will be the best person to handle that because I've, because I'm not even acknowledging that I, I'm not even paying attention to the past about how those fundamentals work. I'm just going with the trend, with the sort of crowdsourcing of the, all the information. Um, I am the first person who says, you cannot beat the market. The market is telling me what to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And the second way of interpreting that is, um, well, the markets have changed so that your trend-following systems no longer work. Well, I agree that that's possible. And the way that we've seen that happen recently is the choppiness in the markets, i.e., like I said, you've got to be longer term. And, of course, you could have these violent uh, sell-offs like we had in the Swiss franc and silver and some of the other markets that make highs and then uh, half the profits or most of the profit is gone within days or a week. And it's up to the CTAs and the systematic traders to um, change their systems to take those things into consideration, which we can and will do. But the fact of the matter is the markets are always changing. No one can predict how they're going to change. And just following the price, taking small losses, being diversified, buying the highs, reducing positions when the trend goes against you, there's nothing better and nothing safer than all of, than doing that certainly safer than 
not having an exit at all or a random exit where you rebalance or some of the things people talk about, which is just sort of random trading. Uh, I prefer to stick to a systematic approach that it's proved itself in the, in the past. Yeah, no, I think that's actually a great segue to to some of my last, uh, well, my last two questions on, on, on the turtle side. And that really is, you know, if you were going to sum up this experience and, and what impact you believe it's had on on uh, the industry as a whole, um, what would you say the key things uh, that the legacy leaves behind, what would they be? And also, do you think that the same experiment could be done now 30 years later? Yeah, I think the same experiment is can be done, but it would be done much differently now because back when we did the experiment, we were given the research and we were to uh, just follow the research, but hopefully, possibly, through our experience of watching the markets, offer our thoughts on ways to improve the systems. Now, I think the best way to have to duplicate this experiment would be to just hire the programmers and uh, a person who could program a little bit and do some back testing, but could also have some um, you know gamesmanship type uh, talent where they could come up with new and different ideas and uh, maybe you know develop their own systems. And it's so I think it would be much more computer math oriented turtles in the future than the way that we did it. I'm not so sure what our legacy is going to be. Um, I don't, hopefully it hasn't been written yet. And hopefully over the next 20 years, the, our uh, performance and our businesses will be better. And, but I'm not exactly sure what's, what, uh, hopefully we're not done yet. I, I don't think it's incomplete. And, I think um, my contribution, if there is going to be a contribution, I can definitely tell you what that contribution is going to be, and that is I'm never going to do anything other than stick with what I was taught with minor adjustments, and if that gives some encouragement to others, then great, and if it doesn't work, then that's okay too, but I will be the last one Uh, going down with the trend following ship um, because I don't think that there's any alternative or there's no good alternatives and certainly layering on other things to trend following other components, counter trend, non-trend ideas, ideas that take small profits. These are not replacements at all. So um, I'm happy to sort of be the um, one person or one of the few uh, who sees the value of what we do and is willing to sort of stick to it and not give in or give up. So I feel like that given such a huge gift in 1983 by, by being able to be in the turtle program, minimally I owe that because we really did learn from the smartest people the best, some of the best people, and, and uh, it was just an amazing situation. I think that uh, back to what you were talking about earlier, I wanted to just comment that you can sort of see that when you have great training, great mentoring, it's not sufficient. It's totally sufficient for, for managing money or doing the right, you know, trading, 
but um, possibly the, the big CT, European CTAs that came out of the AH, um, MAN, AHL, uh, they had different training than we did. They had mentoring and training on the system development side and money management side, but on the business side, they, I think these, this is what is helping to set them apart is that, um, is this sort of not just coming out of a, a trading mentality, but also a money management large organization that helps sort of build a business. And I think that's one of the problems with me and the, a lot of the CTAs is that we put too much emphasis on systems and tweaking our systems and the systems would um, just always bail us out in the end and not enough emphasis on what do clients want? How do we solve client solutions for, how do we create solutions for clients and build a, a lasting large organization? Uh, I went to one of the best undergraduate business schools in the country. It just doesn't look like it. But um, so I give my trading and uh, my knowledge on the markets that I got from Richard Dennis and Bill Eckhart and A plus, and hopefully I'll do better in the future at, on the business side. Absolutely. I think that's a very, very good answer, uh, Jerry. Now I want to shift gear on you to the last section uh, that I wanted to talk to you about. I, I call it general and fun. So those are the questions that you may not get asked on a, on a regular basis. But I think the first one at least is a question that a lot of people listening to this will uh, be very interested in learning from your experience. And it really goes to to ask you about what you think it takes to become a great trader, a great CTA, maybe. Um, you know, what are the traits that the person needs to have in order to have a long and successful career? Uh, well, I think, you know, committing uh, to be successful, you, I believe you should commit yourself to a systematic approach and a um, research approach in, uh, in the commitment to use objective information that uh, something like trend following offers and um, equally as important is to be committed to do those trades and not be swayed by others or clients or your own um, bad thoughts to uh, not do to guess and to trade seat of the pants but uh, you commit to the type of approach that <clears throat> that um, will keep you out of trouble and help you preserve your capital and still participate in the big moves and um, give you the best chance of making money. Um, I think another thing that happens with traders is they try to make the systems too good and improve them too much, and that gets you into lots of trouble with your sample size and your optimization. Um, so good enough should be good enough. Don't try to make it too much better than, um, it's, you know, it's good enough. Um, there's no such thing as making it perfect. Uh, we actually would have people in the turtle room in 1984 who tried to convince themselves and others that, uh, because we were losing money sometimes or having drawdowns that Rich Hetton told us all of the secrets. This was <laughs> okay. like silliness. Um, some of the greatest minds ever in the uh, trading world. Um, <clears throat> and the first thing to acknowledge is, is that some things you don't want to try to eliminate and losing trades, drawdowns, you know, it's, it's two of those things. It's part of a winning system to um, 
The winning system has to be hard. It has to be difficult. Do not seek out uh, ease, comfort, and pleasure. If it feels good, it's probably wrong. Um, I think it's just very difficult to not, you must not to be jealous of other people, what other people are doing, poor ideas, ideas that uh, don't fit with the proper philosophy can uh, have good performance for a longer period of time than we would think. And so um, your whole ability to sort of stick with what you know to be right and hard and reasonable in the face of losing clients and losing money is just indispensable. Play for the long term. I think um, give your clients and yourself a good product and a good trading system and a reasonably leverage and reasonable, reasonably ex, uh, the expenses and the leverage need to be reasonable and grow slowly. Don't try to <clears throat> take over the world too quickly and trade small, learn from your mistakes. Um, I'm just shocked at how many people can make money uh, even with sort of inferior ideas, let's say. Maybe my ideas are inferior. I have no problem with that. But I can just say that, and I've sort of acknowledged that to my own self, that our systems now are so much better than they have ever been. And I would think, how did I even make money in the past? <laughs> I was so uh, yeah. doing things so incorrectly and not nearly as good as we do now. It's just the power of the trends. And so sure. uh, going with the trend and taking small losses um, diversifying, protecting your capital, it's so powerful that it can even overcome some of uh, the problems with our methodologies that we have. Sure. So it's back to what you said early on in our conversation, which Richard Dennis, uh, I think, told you, and that is learn to love your system. Yes. Learn to love your systems and love your losses and your drawdowns because that's part of the system. So every, any, sure. this, the computer, when you do the back test, will tell you, as you know, look how much money you're going to make. You're going to make a lot of money doing this. So you should love everything about the system that's going to produce all of those profits. All you have to do is have the confidence and the faith and keep, keep going and, and do those trades. That's the only thing that stands in between you and your best chance of achieving what you want to achieve. Um, if people only knew how much money I haven't made for myself because I'm not perfect at being disciplined. And is that, would you say that, uh, just, just going down, you know, a little bit on, on that, is that, is that what you say if, if I look back and I look at my biggest failures, have they come from lack of discipline, do you think? Yeah, I think they have. Um, you know, I'm always interested in, uh, well, when we got there, to the, in the turtle program, I think Rich sort of described his one of his driving motivations for the research was just um, trying to prove right or wrong, mostly wrong, of course, all the trading cliches. You can never go broke taking a profit. Of course, that's totally wrong. That's the one way you will go broke is uh, taking small profits. And another one was, um, oh, the one today that I hear all the time, which I think is so unnecessary to even make this statement, that is that exits are more important than entries. Uh, well, I mean, I could see where people are coming from on that. I don't really think it's even necessary to uh, talk about in that regard because your exits, you should have multiple exits. 
it's random where which exit is going to work. So have lots of exits, all trend following, all medium to longer term exits, but have lots of exits. In the same way, have lots of entries. Uh, but certainly there's nothing more important than an entry because in the grand sense, that's been the biggest failing of all traders and certainly mine is not entering a trade. And so, you lose in, in a certain market three or four times in a row. And then you want to try to convince yourself that you shouldn't take the next trade or you've come up with a filter that looks good in the back test, but prevents you from getting into a big trend. And so to me, that's where it all is. It's just not doing the trades that you should do on the entry side. That's where it all starts. It's the biggest failing of an approach is to um, not be willing to take a small loss. On, on, actually, that this is interesting, Jerry, because I seem to have read somewhere in some of the books that has been written about the turtle program that that you were taught in the beginning that there were in certain circumstances that you shouldn't take an entry. Uh, I can't remember what the the, the 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 writing was. Something like if you had a winner, you shouldn't take the next trade. I can't remember exactly what it was. Is there any truth to that, or, or were you just? taught to take all trades? Well, there was um, something similar to what you described as far as, uh, you know, a filter, even though I do remember in the training uh, someone saying that filter is a bad word because filter has a connotation or can um, mean in some people's minds of, of not of missing a big trend. And so even if you have sort of a filter that's based upon whether the last trade was a winner or a loser, or if you have a certain setup that you know is to be optimal, uh, so you have a trend plus something else that's been tested and, and is not discretionary, but it's in your algorithm and it's in your systems, and um, you always have a, a fail-safe, which is, you know, um, this plus this and then I'll buy, well, if you don't get this plus this, then you get in um, a little higher. So it is yeah. true you may sort of try to uh, grade the entry. and You know that uh, some trend plus something else is better than just the trend. But let's say, okay, now we're at the all-time high, the 52-week high. You, you buy, regardless of yeah. whether the filter was satisfied or not. So that's another part of the back test is that you've got your sample size, but you should be very worried if you, if you don't have a mechanism that finally gets you into a trade. I remember my first trade in that regard. It was a Swiss franc trade, I think, in 1984, and it just it had nothing going for the trade except the trend, so we delayed, we delayed, we delayed, then finally you just say, okay, buy. we got to buy. It's now... And then, of course, it turned into a loss. <laughs> and so I remember sure. <laughs> Rich coming in and saying, yeah, I mean, that, that happens. And, you know, you got to buy. You cannot let it go. And um, you cannot rely upon the filter because these filters uh, work until there's a great, the greatest trade of all time that comes along that doesn't meet your little nice filters. I mean, looked at the data and tortured the data, you've come up with this filter, oh, darn, something happens, never happened before, my filter is not satisfied, and I'm going to miss the biggest trade of all time, 
No, yeah. of course not. So you have this switch that you put it on regardless if it's not setting up the way you think most great trades should set up. Sure. And I think actually that now that now that you talk about it, uh, I think that was exactly the point that was made about the original turtle rules. And that was, I think you were given two time frames to trade. And, and, and in the first one, which is the shorter version of it, then there were these filters, but actually the, the, the longer uh, term uh, time horizon would take all trades. And I think that's exactly what you say. You have you have a fail safe to get into the trade, uh, you know, so you don't don't miss it, but maybe you don't get the full position, but you certainly get into it. Exactly. Um, now, here's a little bit of a personal question. I'm just curious, um, because I ask this to everyone, um, and that is whether you have any kind of personal habits that you think has helped you and contributed to your success over the years. Is there anything that you do on a regular basis that... Um, that you think has helped you? Well, I think I have a certain personality that craves rules and trying to get to the bottom of what works in the parts of life that I'm very interested in. So whether it's my political philosophy, my religious philosophy, my trading philosophy, I am always trying to look at those topics in those terms of an overriding worldview on these issues. And I want to have my 10 commandments of trading and of life and of politics and, e and economics and uh, diet and fitness and everything that I'm interested in. I really want to try to get to the bottom and understand the basics. And so when things are pitched to me or things come into my head about the specifics, I can evaluate them through the, the lens of Does this make sense to my to the 10 things that I know are right about trading or trend following? Now, I'm not saying I haven't had to have some uh, changes in those things that I once thought were 100 perfectly right. But, you know, I think that I just desire to sort of be a not an extreme person, but a person who wants to follow um, a sort of philosophy and a kind uh, of worldview on things and that's why it's easy for me to be trend following plus nothing because I don't want to add anything that's not the best to my management to just to avoid a drawdown or to have a little bit more volatility no forget that that's crazy I'm I'm going to stick with what I know to be right maybe try to change the specifics of it but on the big issues I sort of desire being um Uh, having not being a moderate and not seeing things in multiple ways, you know, in, in, in most respects, I have no problem being committed, definitely been wrong. And I think as I get older, I become more uh, open minded and moderate and mm -hmm. recognizing my mistakes. But my personality lends itself to um, systematic building a systematic model in my own mind of what works and actually carrying it out and not desiring the approval of others and sometimes i do desire the approval of others but then i wake myself up and say quit being weak and be strong and don't be afraid to change but um you know at the end of the day it's my responsibility and i have to be true to myself Absolutely. Now, um, 
we're getting sort of closer to my final questions. And I wanted to ask you, if you were going to start all over today, is there anything you would do differently? Uh, yes, I would hate to think about starting over today because I think it's very difficult today. It was much easier when I, when I first started <clears throat> Managed Futures. There were so many uh, opportunities and institutions raising money for CTAs. But I think even back then, I've touched on some of these. I believe that um, I think it's just better to try to grow slow and uh, sure. create your own uh, fund with low fees and reasonable leverage and try to raise money slowly and concentrate totally on the experience of the few clients you may have. Um, resist taking managed accounts with, um, with lots of notional equity and high fees and commissions. Um, and then I think uh, most importantly, I think every CTA today should have a stock trend following fund where they only trade stocks, single stocks, maybe some indices, and try to beat the S&P by a little bit with your trend following systems, longs and sh long and short, and then also have the diversified program. I think the industry has gotten into major trouble by defining CTA trend following as managed futures, which is sort of defined as currencies, commodities, stocks, and bonds, the perfect portfolio. Yes, I agree it's a perfect portfolio, but the CTAs and a few others are about the only people who agree with that. So today, if we had a 20-year track record with diversified portfolio and a 20-year track record with stocks, the AUM of the CTA industry would be a lot higher. Um, so... I think that that's the most important thing. Trade stocks, um, trend following does not equal managed futures. Trend following is going with the trend, paying attention to price, taking small losses, letting your profits run. On any market, on every market, stocks, stocks and bonds, commodities only, diversified. And that's been lost. The the billions of dollars um, under management and with momentum trading um, and the press and the positive press, let's say that the momentum trading gets is huge missed opportunity from the trend followers. In my opinion, the trend following is far superior to momentum trading. Some, some similarities, but not the same. A long-term trend following uh, approach is I think will do better than momentum. Trend following is not even a part of the stock world. It's not even talked about. It's, it's synonymous with managed futures, with uh, managers who trade lots of commodities that have been flatlined in, in the past four or five years and performance is down and that's what we are. And it's just a total shame that um, all the academic research and now places some value on trend and momentum that the CTAs are just on the sidelines and not even a part of obviously something that w should work very well, if not better than almost anything else. Now, once again, this is the big question. This is the big question. This is what should separate the two camps from fundamental versus technical, fundamental versus trend following. Is it possible for people to predict the future? Can you predict the markets? Can you predict where they're going? Mm -hmm. 
So I think most people would say absolutely not. It looks like people can for a short period of time only to turn out to be human the next go round. So this is huge missed opportunity for the trend followers uh, in the stock world. Yeah. Yeah. No, very interesting. And the almost last question is um, a little different. Now imagine that you could ask a question to one of your peers coming on top traders unplugged. What, what would you ask them? Oh gosh, I would just be such a, I'm such a rude. I can't get off. I'm Johnny one note. I have no imagination. I would just (laughs) have to ask them in my opinion, sort of the most important, I think two questions. One would be, um, I hear this from some managers. I, we're going to trade equities. We're going to trade stocks. We're going to have a stock program, but we're not going to use trend following or we're going to use trend following plus lots of other fundamental stuff. And I would just say, how could you believe in trend following and that you can't predict markets and that following the price and taking small losses is sort of the safest thing to do. And yet you want to use other information. I wouldn't understand that. And then I would just sort of probe and ask uh, certain questions about the cost of smoothing out your uh, equity curve. I think that uh, resizing positions based upon volatility, resizing, reducing the portfolio based upon the volatility, um, having profit objectives, sort of a lot of of counter-trend, non-trend following type of trading has a big cost associated with that. And I would just explore those um, explanations as far as the sample size and you know, the more you cut your profit short, regardless of how you do it, regardless of how it reduces um, your volatility, it just uh, usually is going to cause you to take bigger losses. So I think the CTA industry is, um, is a major problem in that area that somehow uh, massive amounts of portfolio adjustment trading that overwhelms the core systems actually can come with no cost involved, which is totally false. That reduction of risk, a seeming risk, but it's really just volatility, you know, it's whack-a-mole. It's going to come up someplace else. It's going to have a negative impact somewhere else. And it just causes people to have to trade larger the more you um, limit your potential profits. Yes, absolutely. And we've certainly seen an example of that in the past and no doubt we'll see the same uh, in, the, in the future. Now, my last question to you, Jerry, um, could you tell a fun fact about yourself that people don't know about you or not so many people know about you? Oh, wow. That's the same story I bring up all the time when I meet people and new people. <laughs> that my children are just uh, really cringe when I start talking about it. But uh, a fun fact is um, I was in a movie with Jim Carrey in 1999 called Me, Myself, and Irene, which uh, was a lot of fun. It was a uh, prize, quote-unquote prize, from the Robin Hood Foundation auction dinner so I paid to be uh, in a movie, essentially, and we went to a good cause. Uh, and I was actually on set with Jim Carrey and had a speaking part. And, um, and Jim Carrey and I had some dialogue together. And that's really my biggest claim to fame is I have an IMDb 
page. And uh, I think that I could do a much better job in the future if, if allowed to uh, get back to that acting gig. Again, I've learned from, I've learned from my mistakes. But, um, you yeah, that was a lot of fun. And um, it's something that um, I, I like to bring out at parties. And uh, people are always uh, wanting to watch that movie, which I don't think is a very good movie. But um, <laughs> it is one of my uh, bigger, ex- exciting times. In, as um, I think uh, my children, uh, I always advise my children, look, become an actor or become a hedge fund manager. It's like the two best <laughs> things going. Um, and you've been able to do both. So there we are. <laughs> Zach. Now, yeah, exactly. Jerry, listen, um, we could continue all day talking about trend following and maybe we need to continue uh, in another episode um, that uh, to, to continue to talk about this. Um, but is there anything before we finish that that you want to bring up? Anything that I've missed? Something that you want to um, share? Or, or do you think we've we've done justice to the to the turtle story? Oh, uh, I think we've done a lot of justice, and uh, you've been very kind to have me on. And I think that um, people can pick up on a lot of the things I've said about how wonderful that experience was. And uh, there's lots of examples of the great mind, uh, life-altering lessons that I learned from Richard Dennis and Bill Eckhart, and um, it's irreplaceable. And but um, their generosity and kindness, and they're just general how they were as people. Friendliness exceeds all of their other accomplishments. So. Um, It was um, a great time and a great period, and I'd still be working for him if that was uh, the turtle program. It's kept going. I'd probably still be there. It was the greatest experience ever, and something totally I didn't deserve. But I'm really thankful that I was there. But thanks for having me, and it's been great. And I hope to see you soon, Niels. Sure, absolutely. And before we finish, uh, Jerry, is there any place that uh, if listeners want to reach out and learn more about uh, you and, and Chesapeake Capital, what would be the best place for uh, for them to reach out? Uh, we have a website, chesapeakecapital.com. So that's that's the place to go. Great stuff. And for those who are listening today, I would say also feel free to uh, to go out and uh, find a way to uh, to say thank you to Jerry for all his time, all his generosity. And I'll certainly be the first one to say thank you ever so much, Jerry. It's been a great conversation. Uh, your story is truly inspirational and I really appreciate your willingness to share it and the unique journey and allowing me to dig into uh, to that experience. And uh, of course, Our listeners can find a lot of details about our discussion today in the show notes for this episode on toptradersonplug.com. And I really do hope that we can connect at a later date and see what your trend-following journey, where that will take you next. So thank you so much, Jerry. Take care, Niels. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Top Traders Unplugged. If you feel you learned something of value from today's episode, the best way to stay updated is to go on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show so that you'll be sure to get all the new episodes as they're released. 
We have some amazing guests lined up for you. And to ensure our show continues to grow, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. It only takes a minute, and it's the best way to show us you love the podcast. We'll see you next time on Top Traders Unplugged.